So I walk into the parlor. He's milking cows and he, Carhartt's. And he doesn't have a shirt on and it's like August and he's pretty tan. And, and he might have been 18 at this point. And I was like, oh, hey, are you legal? <laughs> How old are you? Did you? When did you turn 18? This is the Real Food Real People podcast. Romance on the Farm. This week we get to hear how our guest connected with her boyfriend and now partner in farming. Katie Harris is a hoot. (laughs) This conversation was a lot of fun and we learn a lot about how dairy farming really works and, and a lot about she and her boyfriend's operation down in the southwest Washington Chehalis area. This is the Real Food, Real People podcast. I'm Dylan Honkoop. I grew up on a local farm, and after years in media, I'm reconnecting with the farming community that I grew up around and sharing their real-life human stories, the real stories behind the people who grow the food that we eat. When we were dairy farming, we were, when we first started out, we were by ourselves, and that was when we first hired help was when I was pregnant with number three, because I literally just got to the point where I couldn't, I don't think I could walk. What were you doing on the farm at that time? Um, What were we doing? I was milking. Well, everything. Yeah. So we rotated, like when we first started and we had, um, so we had a two-year-old and an infant, and then I got pregnant with the third when our infant had turned two, so I had a two-year-old and a four-year-old. And so the way we worked it, because it, we didn't have any hired help, we rotated days. So like he would Oof. milk morning nights, and then the next day I would go milk the morning and the night. So it ended up being like 18-hour days for one of us. Because we, you know, with little kids, wintertime, like you're trying to just kind of do what you can. And so if you're milking, everybody's milking like the morning and everybody's milking the night, you just burn out. So we tried to rotate like the days. And then I got to a point where I was just too big pregnant that I like <laughs> I couldn't walk <laughs> like, so th- it was like it was bad <laughs> so then Roy had to do all the milking no we hired we actually got oh, that, hi- that we actually got done. that was the defining moment of like let's hire some help and actually we fought we hired um oh she was a dairy farmer's daughter uh, older she was older but she mm-hmm. lived up the road and so she came and milked mornings to like help out because I, I literally like got to the point where I was so huge pregnant I couldn't even like walk <laughs> I mean it was it was bad I think I had like a pinched nerve and I was at the chiropractor oh jeez. Yeah. so but it was yeah that's not fun that was our defining moment actually or did, or did we have uh we had a, an outside I think we hired an outside guy too finally Ulysses we brought on Ulysses then too I don't know. You got to quit talking to him over there. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, because like, he's got to, because I know if I say something wrong, he's going to come around and like, tell me, that's not right. Then he's going to have to deal with me because I'm going to be like, hey, you're screwing, yeah. you're screwing up my thing, man. Yeah. And then leave. Go. And we discovered I'm two years older than him. So. Oh, so yeah. you have seniority. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Well, so I'm he has year- to listen. I'm two years older than him too. I robbed the cradle. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm a cradle robber. <laughs> Which means you're the same age as me. So yeah. Eh, yeah. we're not sure who has seniority here on the you, podcast. You. I'm going with you. Okay. I'm voting you. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, I'm used to that. Okay. <laughs> we got that established. So how did you get into the whole farming thing? Like going way back. Did you grow up on a farm? Uh, yeah. So my, well, kind of. My dad and grandpa, um, they dairied. 
till they went on a buyout in the early 90s, I think. Um, so I was, I grew up kind of in the parlor with my dad. Um, and after they sold out, um, we would, we did, I, well, I, not we, I did, I was in, I was into the animal thing. I've always been an animal nut. Mm-hmm. Um, so they bought would buy me replacement heifers or we'd even like, I can remember back in the day when bull calves were bringing like a buck a piece or, you know, they're pretty much giving them away at the sale barn. And so I'd go get 10 of them and I'd raise them up till six, to 800 pounds and sell them. And that was kind of how I funded my activities as a kid. Like I can remember I bought my first saddle. I wouldn't, I, I can remember I was so excited. I sold a group of, a group of Holstein steers and I took that money and went next door because the tax shop was literally right next door to the sale barn. So like my life, I've grown up like <laughs> in the sale barn at the tax store. And I can remember taking that money that I got because this is back in the day when they would just give you cash, right? You yeah. know, cold hard cash. And I can remember uh, taking the, my, one of my first checks and I went and bought myself like my first real saddle. And it was like one of those moments of my life because I'm, ho- I'm crazy about horses. Yeah. It was one of those first moments of my life that like, you're like this. I did it all by myself, right? Raising bottle caps. <laughs> so, um, what does it take to do that? As a kid, oh, what, what are you doing? And can you, know, you do it really all by yourself? No, I, you know, I, obviously like, I was probably, how old was I? Maybe 12 or 13. 13, I think when I did the saddle thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was fairly independent, but I can remember brought home one sick calf, right? And it gets the whole group sick, like mm-hmm. always, you know? So mm-hmm. I can remember my dad, my dad helped me do like treat them and stuff. And we lost a couple of them. And I remember balling for hours, but, mm-hmm. um, so my mom and dad helped a lot there. Anything I've kind of been into, my mom and dad have kind of fostered whatever it is you know none of them ride horses but i've always had horses and always been really involved in that but um so that led into you know i did ffa 4-h um i actually would buy my show heifers from roy i'm gonna call him ruggy his nickname's ruggy so when we were kids he his family actually went and they were farming on the farm that my dad and grandpa sold out on Mm. and so that's where we went and i would buy my replacement heifers that's how i met him he was all he but he's two years younger than me so when you're like 13 and there's this little boy that's like selling you calves like you don't pay much (laughs) attention to it right (laughs) so yeah two years is a lot yeah it's a lot it's a lot when you're kids now it's not so bad he just has to make fun of me for being older but um (laughs) i can remember so you know ffa 4-h i i always kind of knew i wanted to i thought going to vet school so um college path i go to wsu and i did um, animal science with like the pre-vet emphasis and my dad still says i remember the day you called home and you said dad i think i want to be a dairy farmer and i said what the hell (laughs) (laughs) you don't want to do what you want to be wait whoa hold on it's like back up here what's going on and so i had done um some dairy management classes and actually the the vet who's actually still our herd vet, he I, I he started doing my vet work on horse stuff when I was a kid. And so I did a lot of ride along stuff with him and kind of mm-hmm. like that was he was the one, you know, poor guy. I had to, you know, he just, I was his tag along. And <laughs> I remember I don't even remember how the conversation came up, but we had a we, him and I had a pretty in-depth conversation when I was away at school because WSU is his alma mater, too. And um, he kind of sat me down and was like, well, you know. When, when you're grown up, when you're all done with this, <laughs> what kind of lifestyle do you want? You know, yeah. you're gonna, ha- you know, do you want to have kids? How do you want to raise your kids? Like what? And, you know, and he sat down and, t- and talked to me a lot, and he's like, "Look, if, I mean, I'm not telling you you don't want to be a vet, but you don't want to be a vet." <laughs> it was kind of how it was. He's yeah. like, "If you want to to be home and spend time with your kids and spend time with your family," he's like, "Don't go down the large animal vet path." He's mm. like, 
with your, he, you know, we knew each other really well with your personality type. You're not going to be able to say no to those emergency calls. You're not yeah. going to be able to turn people away. Like think of some other options. And so of course, what the next, what's your next option? Well, I want to be a dairy farmer. I don't ever want to make money again. <laughs> <laughs> So. But what? Okay, what were you thinking though? Like what? Oh, I wanted to go to vet school. Like from the time in first grade all the way through, I was going to be a veterinarian. But when you said that you wanted to become a dairy farmer, you told your dad that. What image did you have in your mind? What attracted you to it? What did you? I think love it's about because it? it's what I knew. I guess from the time I was a little kid, like you get, you're with. I love cows, obviously. Mm. Um, you're you're with animals every single day. You're home. You know. I guess like you have that big red barn picture where everybody's like yeah. cohesive and working together and we all love each other and sing freaking kumbaya every night, <laughs> uh, which doesn't happen a whole lot <laughs> when it boils down to it. Yeah. But uh, it's just, uh, it's that it's that lifestyle, I think, that attracts you to, to that. And it's funny because I can remember being 18, 19 year old, I'm never having kids. I'm having a career. I'm, you know, da, 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 mm-hmm. da. And then as you age, it's like, I don't know if it's like that biological clock Starts ticking, but I mean, I I've never been a huge <laughs> fan of other people's kids, so I never thought I wanted them. Right? Like yeah, I'm not even yeah. gonna, I'm not even gonna sugarcoat it. I don't like other people's kids for the for the yeah. most part. I've got some I, close friends, I get along with them okay, but for the I most part, that. like other kids, I'm like, <laughs> but I love my kids are the best thing that ever happened to me. Right? Mm. So it's a uh, it was a it was a good it was a good decision. I don't I don't regret it. I guess is that is that a good thing? Maybe maybe I'm just telling myself so, that well, to feel I better was- about myself. <laughs> I was going to ask you when when you met Roy, but it, you've known oh, each I'm, other yeah. since you were... We've known each other since we were kids. Do you want to know like that defining moment when I was like, hey, yeah. this guy? This, uh, yeah, the guy yeah. that you got... Yeah, that guy. This guy that impregnated me, right? Yeah. <laughs> the guy that got you got calves from, though, yeah. when he was two yeah, years did I younger think, than you. Did, was I thinking when I was 13 or 14 years old that he was going to be the future father of my children? No. No, <laughs> no so that's when, like you don't think about it. You don't, that, that's... <laughs> Doesn't come into play here. When did, <laughs> he was just the kid running around county fair, right? <laughs> so when did it change? What was that moment? So I actually remember it. This is the funny thing. I was just, I just told this story yesterday. I think um, I was home from WSU, and I worked at a bakery in town. I started working there. Um, I did community college. I started working there when I was going to community college to kind of pay my way through school. Um, so when I came home for summers, I would go help them out. I loved it. I still love it. I still go there. They have the best sourdough on the planet, Market Street Bakery. They're, they're awesome. Anyways, um, his mom had come in and I think she wanted something that wasn't quite ready yet. And I was like, hey, I'll drop it off on my way, on my way by. Like, you know, they're not too, their, their farm's not too far from my parents' house. And so I swing in and we we're kind of visiting. She's like, oh, Ruggs is out in the barn. You'd love to see it. And I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. So I walk into the parlor He's milking cows and he car hearts. He doesn't have a shirt on and it's like August and he's pretty tan and he might have been 18 at this point. And I was like, oh, hey, are you, are you legal? <laughs> How old are you? Did you? When did you turn 18? <laughs> so uh, we actually, Whoa. we were actually kind of always friends, I guess, yeah. for a long time. We were pretty close friends. Um and I don't know. I guess you just kind of follow. I always I have this theory: men and women can't be friends without one or the other kind of go like developing feelings, right? If you're yeah. if you're close friends, yeah. it's just it's gonna ha- it's bound to happen. Yeah, deny me all you want, but it's true. So uh, who took the first move, or who was the oh, first? I'm pretty sure it's me. <laughs> I still have to. <laughs> I chased him pretty hard. I think. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I'm not even gonna deny it. <laughs> 
So did you end up asking him out? You know, I don't know if there was ever that like ask each other out thing because we were such close friends. Yeah. Like, I mean, we were, we, this was of course back before like MySpace and Facebook and I to text message you had like the Nokia snake phone. Right. Um, but we ran around, we partied kind of in the same crowd and we ran around a lot together and, and just kind of had a, a pretty close friendship. And I guess that just kind of, I, pr- I probably had one too many beers and took it a little too far. <laughs> probably what happened. I mean, your kids, right? I think we yeah. were like, I, I don't even know if he was 21 yet. Um, and we kind of, I don't, I, I don't know if you call it dating. Cause I was still at, I was still going to school at Wazoo. He's living at home, milking cows for mom and dad. It was kind of like, Hey, I'm home for the weekend. <laughs> what are you doing? Want to <laughs> yeah, hang out? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and then, so I actually, I went to work for Dairy Gold um, after college mm. and I was down in Twin Falls, Idaho for a long time. Mm. Uh, and then I actually went to Spokane. So it was always kind of that casual, I say casual friends. We're really good friends. <laughs> We're really friendly. And, uh, long distance relationship, no, but I, not it really even, a relationship. Yeah, not really a relationship. I, I, uh, I think the, the coin term is like friends with benefits. <laughs> uh-huh. I wasn't going to say it, but <laughs> I'm not afraid to say it. Though. So, um, I actually, I saw after I was working in Spokane for a while, I actually quit my job and came home. Um, I was home like two months and then I was pregnant. So it was, it was ha- it, yeah, it, it got, it happened really quick. We always say like, how old's our oldest? Well, that's how long we've actually been dating. <laughs> <laughs> so when did you guys decide, Hey, we're going to farm together? Um, like, cause he, that's a so big step. He, he'd been trying off and on for a while. Um, to start a farm he he kind of went off on his own with his dad and started a secondary in like 2007 they went through the whole flood thing and so he kind of went back to i think actually when we decided to farming he was building actually dairy barns his grandpa had had a dairy barn construction business Mm. for a long time and so he kind of learned the trade there and so um he had been bugging these people that had sold out like five years prior i mean he probably knocked on their door every couple months just to say, yeah. Hey, you ready to lease the place? Hey, you ready? To lease? Well, and so finally one of the times he knocked on the door, they were actually ready to lease the place. And, um, you know, we'd always kind of, we'd always kind of done farm work together, I guess, like yeah. his mom and dad dairy. And so I fed calves for him. And I think I, I bred, um, for on their heifer place for a while, spent a summer doing that. So we'd always kind of farm together and and i we i i don't think there was ever any of that discussion like hey let's be dairy farmers it was like we are just going to yeah we're going to like he had had i think he had 80 ish cows of his own that he had been milking at his dad's place when we did start so he had been kind of like stockpiling over the years and stuff like that so he i mean he had his game plan like i just kind of got drug along on the ride and he just got lucky yeah with that i you know went to school for it That I well, was you, willing, I you, was a willing participant, and yeah, I was willing well, to work. Yeah. You just got lucky that he was, you know, storing, you yeah, know, building yeah. his herd. And maybe that's, and, and that might be why I picked him out of the crowd. I was like, yeah, this guy is doing what I want to do. This guy, he's kind of cute. This guy comes with cows. Yes, that hey. was a re- yeah, it was a requirement. I didn't want to trade for like goats and rice. It was cows. It <laughs> <laughs> was my dowry. <laughs> oh man! So then you start farming, and. That we, takes us up to the point where yeah, we we started talking about you two were little kids and pregnant with another yeah, and didn't stay away from me. So. <laughs> well, again, <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything, but yeah, 
Yeah. So we started, we started, um, you know, out on our own lease facility. It was 2012. We had a two year old and like a, I think she was four months or ish wow. when we started. And it, I mean, we started, so the day we started, I think we had 80 cows. And then like by the next, like within two days, we had bought um, some cold cows from a guy down the road. I think we were up to like a hundred and 110 or something like that within a couple mm-hmm. days. And uh, it was a lot, it was a, it was a lot of work. It was a lot, you know, we, no hired help. No hired help at all. Just us, two babies. And how we didn't murder each other. <laughs> <laughs> how we stayed together through all that. You know, the family that works together and stays together yeah. where they just hate each other. Um, I mean, it was, it was a lot of stress. You know, you're figuring it all out on your own. When you go from from working a regular job, you've got a normal paycheck. You know, I worked for Dairy Gold. I made really good money coming out of college as a young single girl. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you got to pay your own bills. It's like you had to grow up, right? Like, this is stupid. Like, I have to, you know, just pay my own bills. Like, And then it's not just you have to pay your own bills. Like, it's, I mean, you know, we went from used vehicles, you know, I think we, I think... Maybe we had a cell phone. We didn't have internet. We didn't have TV. Our rent payment was like 500 bucks a month. I mean, we lived like pretty, you know, we we lived cheap because we yeah. are cheap. So then you go to like all of a sudden all these bills and, you know, yeah. grain bills, vet bills, you know, your hoof trimmer, your, it's just, you know, you don't, a lot of stuff you even think about power, what, how much your power bill is going to increase, you mm-hmm. know, and top of, on top of a lease payment, cow payments. I mean, um, we started off, we had a, a line of credit that was pretty small with Northwest Farm Credit. And, of course, in 2012, everybody knows, well, not everybody, but anybody who's a farmer, it wasn't, there was not a good milk market, right? Right. But cows were cheap. So that was kind of our benefit. Um, but, yeah, we, I mean, we worked, we worked hard. It was a lot of really long. I can remember, you know, getting up at 3 a.m. and not going back in the house until one or two o'clock in the morning, you know, you got a problem cow or it's just you, right? I mean, you're only, you're, it's just you. So you're, you're, you got to do everything. And I I think we got, we finally got up to when we were there, the facilities were like 120 cow facility, but, um, pasture and a lot of pasture. So in the spring, summer, we would, he loves to trade cattle. That's just his deal. He loves, he loves to buy and sell cows. So he had, he would buy up springtime, and so we would increase our herd numbers. I think we got up to, I think the biggest we were was like 200. And that was kind of when, you know, I'm pregnant with number three. We're milking about 200 cows. That's maybe look at some hired help. And in some ways, it's easier. And then on the other hand, employees are, t- they're, they're tough. Employees are tough. Mm. Anybody who has to manage other people can tell you it, managing people is a lot harder than managing cows. <laughs> But we've been lucky. Um, the, the lady that milked cows that kind of took over my milk shift, mm-hmm. um, you know, she'd been raised on a dairy and she was, you know, had little kids and just kind of wanted to supplement some income. She was fantastic. I love her to death. I still do. Um, and then we hired one outside guy part time. And it was kind of nice because we could have just like an afternoon to just take a breath. You know, my parents had a, a place about five minutes up the road on the lake. We could go go for a ride on the boat like <laughs> it was it was really nice so how many years did you go without being able to do that before um, you got to that it point? was about two years so um then we had so we originally signed a three-year lease on that place um and we obviously had outgrown it right i mean we just we grew he likes he buys cows like like little kids buy candy corn at halloween um so we outgrew that and we had we had signed a three-year lease, so we were looking for bigger facilities, and we had found one um, about an hour north of here. 
And so we were ready to sign a contract with the guy. We've been negotiating back and forth with lawyers and everything. We had agreed to buy it. And this is back. So it's 14 cows are through the roof, right? So mm. we, we signed an agreement to buy a herd of 500 cows at $2,000 a piece. <laughs> Not cheap, right? Um, but we were going to a facility yeah. that could milk potentially 1,000 cows. So the day that we were to meet the guy and sign a lease, he changed his mind. So we're sitting here with like, oh, crap. We're, we've got – we have now we, – we've signed an agreement to purchase – 500 cows and we have 200 like what are we going to do with all these cows what are we going to do so um because the people the people that had our farm had somebody coming in behind us to you right. know because we we're, we let this lease go right yeah and even if, I, if we hadn't let this lease go i don't know if we would have re-signed there anyway um but so we we sold out basically we loaded cows on semi trucks and they went to idaho it was probably one of the harder, that was one of the harder days for me because those were all my babies I'd raised and, you know, a couple of them were my old show cows. Like, mm. it was tough. So, um, and then that herd that we bought, we kind of, we sold some, kind of parceled some out between a couple different dairies, like, just tried to kind of make it work. Like, hey, will you milk, hey, do you want to milk 100 of my cows? Like, <laughs> you're not full or anything, are you, right? So we kind of had to, like, shove some here, shove some there because we really would have we really wanted to hang on they were like 40 years with the ai bring they're just nice nice cows um but you know 14 we actually made money so that's how we bought this place we were able to you know take the money and pay cash for this place so mm. i mean that was the one year i think we've done the year we sold out is the year that we did the best <laughs> weird how that works but um and so then eventually it got to the point where um we had a quota you know, the quota deal with Dairy Gold, you have, I think it's six months to use or six months if you want to sell it. And then another six months after that to like either use it or lose it. Right. Mm. So we're, we're getting down there. We actually ended up selling a lot of that herd because cow prices were still pretty high. So we actually were able to turn those cows that we had committed to buy. We we're actually able to turn them for the same amount of money we mm. paid for them. And, you know, we got a few calves out of them. That was, this was back when, you know, I think bull calves were bringing like 500 bucks a piece. We literally wow. lived off of like bull calf money. Because if you're getting $500 a pop mm -hmm. on your bull calves on a herd of like, you know, 350, 400 cows, it's, That's not, it's not too bad. Yeah. It's all cash money. <laughs> Don't, hopefully nobody tells the government. <laughs> but, um, so we're getting down to the wire on whether or not, you know, we, we need to, we've got to find a farm or we're not going to have any quota left. And I think, you know, quotas, it's changed so much over the last, like the last few years where it's sometimes it's not worth anything and sometimes it's worth a ton of money, mm -hmm. but either way you got to buy it to get back in, right? You got to find somebody that wants to go out and you got to buy it to get back in. Because the cooperative dairy, yeah. dairy yep. gold as yep. a cooperative of dairy farmers yes. kind of sets how yep. much production there can be. Yes. Yeah. So we had our set amount. Um, we had a we had a set amount that was given to, to us. We kind of got it in at the perfect time in 2012. It was right before this whole quota idea got implemented. So we were given um, what we what we needed at the time for when we were milking the 120 cows or whatever. And then when we bought the cows, that other herd of cows, um, the quota that they had used for those cows came with it, right? Oh wow! So we've got we have it. We you know we got a pretty decent chunk of quota so for us to just we can't sell it anymore because we're past our six months of selling it so we really need to find a dairy and then, i mean there's there's not if you want a dairy farm like there's not a lot of options really like mm -hmm. you know building one from the ground up you can't afford to do it and it, there's such a, a 
a group of people here that that don't you know they're not ready to sell it they're kind of in that middle age group where they're not quite ready to retire you know one of the kids might want to take it over it's just it's really hard to find ground and in facilities so we actually ended up um i was like i mean we were down to the wire it was like three or four weeks before our like like drop dead date right mm-hmm. um a facility came available um not too far from here that had a a bunch of cows on it they weren't really be they weren't really being taken care of very well mm. and so we kind of committed to that we ended up buying the whole herd it was mainly milking shorthorns wow <laughs> don't ask wow. uh it was red and whites they like to call them right mm-hmm. so that was a kind of a mix of like airshire shorthorns and red and white holsteins they had there was a few black and white cows in there but not a whole lot a couple jerseys um but the guy was kind of into his red and whites and so we we signed an agreement to take over that facility and basically buy I mean everything from the bottle babies like all the way through all the milk cows dry cows I mean it was like a whole like package deal. You have to nurse those cows kind of oh, back to better health. It was it was yeah yeah looking back I mean it was it, I don't regret doing it but it was I mean it was tough so the the first the the first. Uh, like, you know, you get your quality tests back from the co-op. And we knew that they had had, like, some somatic cell issues. And, you know, they, I know they had some rock count issues. But um, the cows were averaging eight pounds of milk per day. What's normal? Daily. Um, on a short horn or on, like, a normal? <laughs> on What's a, normal on a, on a dairy cow? You're like, you know. Holstein I was, dairy yeah, cow. Yeah, so, like, 70, 80 pounds, I would say, is pretty average so for like, 10 percent of what they should have yeah been. yeah it, it was it was bad so um the the somatic cell count which like our cooperative you know every so like there's a federal a federal number you have to send and then a cooperative number so in, in our so they have higher standards for the cooperative yeah yes yeah. so our cooperative has higher standards than um than what what the nation has and so um what the cooperative has in place is four hundred thousand. the herd average for their somatic cell count was like 620 right so they're over like they i don't even know i don't think they had actually been technically allowed to ship milk for a while like it was i think it was getting dumped down the drain Mm. and then same thing with like um you know a raw bacterial count so their bacterial counts were like through the roof it was just like you know you kind of walk into this going what are we thinking we so because the cows hadn't been well taken care of yes the milk couldn't be used and had to be dumped down the drain dumped down the drain so that was part of like why it was kind of a fire i got call it a fire sale yeah um well but that's interesting for people who worry about their milk for instance yeah oh yeah number one it has has to to meet standards Mm -hmm. and it does make a difference in your milk if you don't take care of your cows. Oh yeah, it's not like oh, just yeah. great milk comes out and someone can be treating yep. their cows poorly. If they treat their your if if somebody treats their cows poorly, yeah, the oh, cooperative yeah. is gonna know. Yeah, no, they do because there's so it. many there's so many quality parameters in place to ensure that the farmers are doing what's what's right. needing to be done to ensure quality milk, right? And, and taking care of the and, animals. And you know, like what Dairy Gold's standards are is you know way way higher they have way higher standards like they they say we're the best cooperative in the nation and it's true because our standards are higher than what the national what than what's allowed nationally Mm. and it's true we do we have good milk we've got good farmers like and they you know we just went through a farm audit yesterday um on animal welfare and Mm. it's you know they come through and they, they they look at everything from my calves that have just hit the ground all the way through my milk cows, Wait, my dry they hit, cows. They hit the ground. Yeah, well, they're when they're being born. <laughs> but um, 
so yeah, the, I, and I remember the first, the first milking, um, we, you know, we, we took over, it was like the middle of the day. It was just complete chaos. Right. I mean, there's like your, the cooperatives there and like, I think the state vets there. I mean, it was just, it was just <laughs> chaos, complete yeah. chaos. So we're getting ready. It's rolling around in milking time. And the, you know, the, actually the employees, we kind of got lucky. The guys that had been working there stayed on and, um, we go, we, we go in the parlor, it's milking time. It's, you know, four o'clock in the afternoon. It was, you know, September. And so it's getting darker out and the milkers are wearing headlamps. We're like what's, what's up with the, what's up with the flashlight on your forehead, buddy? You know, my limited Spanish, their limited English. None of the lights worked in the parlor. Oh man. So it's like, I mean, these guys have been milking cows pitch black <sighs> for, I don't know how long. And how do you milk a cow? How do you milk a cow in the dark? Like Those you know, it doesn't guys. work, right? So you know, we're thinking, you know, we're gonna have to go replace all these light fixtures, and it's gonna cost us some money. And the light bulbs were just burnt out. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, that was it. It cost me like eighty bucks at Home Depot. <laughs> yeah. And here all along, these, yeah, poor, these poor workers. Yeah, these guys having... have been wearing headlamps. Oh man. Yeah. So. Uh, we were at that facility. Well, it's time for sometimes it's time for a certain operator to get yeah, out. Yeah, to get here out. Yeah, there. he you know he was um he was an absentee owner. Mm. He was he his main I think his main um residence was Texas, and then he also I, he's originally from Ecuador, so he was back and forth mm. a lot. So he was pretty much completely absentee, right? I think he was around here and there. Like when we were doing the transition and taking over, he came up and um. It just doesn't tend to work out when people do that, and it no. do- and, and you know, and it doesn't not, really and happen very much. No, and it, you know, in the in in in, in you know, on the other hand, of the people running the facility, it really wasn't their fault because he was supposed to be paying for everything. And if if you're not getting any money to number one for your pay for let alone your paycheck, let alone feed for the cows or feed you know money for the vet, like money to pay the other employees, you know, you're trying to manage a farm where there's literally no funding coming in. Like, I think you just kind of, you know, either you throw in the towel and walk away from it mm-hmm. or you just try and get by with what you, you know, what you can. And it's so I, you know, I, it can't really, it's hard cause you can't really try and lay fault on any of the, any of the employees. Um, you know, and 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 the, I think the the guy had run into some trouble financially. Obviously, I I don't want to really I don't really know the whole situation yeah. behind it, but um, you know, it's it's hard to point the finger at any one party. But it was just a, kind of an unfortunate sequence of events. I think that kind of led to the downward spiral. Yeah. Of it. So you got this place on a fire sale as you say <laughs> yeah well, you, you, you know, nurse so the we, animals so, yeah. and the buildings and everything so, you back know, to and health. some of the animals recovered okay some of them didn't i mean mm. some of them just never clearly quite mount you know i've we still in our herd today this was so we took that over in 15 the end of 15 and i still to this day have some cows in our herd that we we had we bought originally in that that mm-hmm. deal so you know some of them didn't really well some of them didn't I mean, it was kind of a a recycle process right we were kind of cycling you know once you get them back into shape so mm-hmm. it, it was a lot of um and luckily roy loves to buy cows <laughs> that's just right. like he loves it that's kind of his thing i always say well, why don't you just go be a horse trader but um <laughs> you know so so he was able to kind of do what he really enjoys doing and and um kind of cycle through so we you know we ended up culling quite a few i, mean, I don't even remember what our coal rate was it was something crazy like 60 percent, i think for the first couple months and, um, you know, trying to replace them with younger cows that, that milk. Um, so it was a big, it was a big, huge turnover process, but I, we learned a ton. 
I mean, it was such a, a good learn. You know, looking back, should we have done it? I don't know. I don't know. We I don't. We definitely didn't make <laughs> make money doing it, but we did learn a lot. You I mean you mm. learn a lot about cows when you you you're taking a cow that's it's her nutritional needs haven't been met. I mean that just it's a it's like a downward spiral, right? I mean it'll and it'll carry through all the way through her lactation into her dry period, even when she calves in. We had you know we had a lot of dystocia issues metritis so dystrophic so i should I talk in layman terms so <laughs> a lot of calving issues a lot of like mm-hmm. a dirty uteruses metabolic problems at first um so you know you kind of you, you figure out what works right and so we you know we collectively him and i learned a lot about herd health i think we took a lot away from that whole experience um and you know it's just they were i don't know i, I guess i, I felt i'm a, i'm a softy like i'm an animal lover right so i i mean you you take these animals and you feel bad right you feel bad for them so it was it was hard like for me to to when we cold i'm like you know they made it through so much like mm-hmm. can't we just keep her? i don't care she's only given like 20 pounds of milk can't we just keep her around like you yeah. know she's been she's been through the ringer <laughs> you know so so it's it i said in fact so my daughter just uh she just sold her market steer at the at the sale this is her second one and there were a lot of tears and I said, you know, honey, I still have a hard time selling our babies, you know, because I, mm-hmm. I do most, most of the calf stuff and he just sold like four or five, you know, breeding size heifers. And I was like, but those are my babies. Like, it, it's so hard for me. And yeah. even though, even though I should be used to it by now, it's still, it's still hard because, you know, yeah. are they going to love them like I love them? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so how big is your farm now? Oh, so now, so we've now moved again. Um, we there was a facility that came open a little farther out the valley from us. It's a little bit bigger facility, more ground, and so I don't think we've we, honestly we were milking about three fifty ish when we left there, and we're still probably three eighty ish to four hundred now. So about right about the same size, but we just moved over. It's a little bit more barn space, um, and just a, li- a little bit more ground, a little better. We we definitely downgraded in our parlor. Our part the parlor at the other place was like it was amazing. This one's a little old, needs some upgrades. Um, but barn space wise, like uh, these barns are, are primo. Awesome. Yeah. So I can tell that you're, uh, and you've said it too. You're totally an animal person, an animal lover. What about the food part of it though? Like the milk. What what's it like producing food that people eat? <laughs> drink you know, in, it, I guess depending on what form it is it's it's a double-edged sword right mm. so you you know you work your butt off trying because you know I the numbers you you have these parameters and these numbers and so you're always for me anyway because we I care you're always trying to do better like when we so when we took over that herd that was 680 uh somatic cell I'm in the parlor I milked in six days a week and I had on 350 cows, I had her somatic cell down to 60, 60, right? Because that's just how I am. Like, I, if, so if, they I, were yeah. super healthy yeah. cows. Yeah. So, you know, like I, you know, I, and everybody told me, oh, milk and that many cows, you won't be able to be under 200,000 smack cell. And so I'm like kind of with that, like, oh, watch me. <laughs> Ooh, watch me. <laughs> so, um, you know, you, I, when you look at, when you're able to look at your numbers and your benchmarks, you're like, what can I do to do better? How can I be better? And, um, so, you know, you, you learn that there's so many different things that go into it. It's not just like, oh, well, there's this cow have mastitis. So let's treat her. No, like, okay, well, it's going to start with what, what you're putting into her. What, what's your feed? You know, and then what's her environment like? Is she able to go lay down? Does she have enough bunk space? Is her bed clean? Is she dry? 
her feet, you know, if she, she have good feet? Is she lame? Is she, you know, there's just so many different things that go into making quality milk than just like, oh, I love you. Right. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? So there, it, you know, and I, like I said, with that whole experience of us taking over that herd of cows, like, I, we learned a lot about what goes into making good milk. And there's so, I mean, it's. And it sounds like from what you're describing, everything about making quality milk is just the health of your yeah, cows. Take care of them. Yeah, you gotta take care of them. I mean, there's a lot into taking care of them, mm-hmm. you know. And I, like, I have a lot of people. We sell, we sell a lot of heifers. I sell a lot of calves. Um, we don't have a, a real big heifer facility there. And right now, for what you can raise a heifer for, you can go buy one that's ready to have a baby for less money, right? So mm-hmm. we we kind of turn over on our heifers. Um, and this is a newer thing, but so I'm always trying to educate these people that that take these calves from me. Well, you know, there's a lot more that goes into this than just like give her a bottle of milk, right? I mean, there's there's, there's a whole conglomerate of issues that go into raising a healthy cow and you can't just kick her out to pasture and expect her to do okay. Like, you know, dairy cows are a lot different being than beef cows are. They take a, you know, they're, they're pretty, they're like the prima donnas of cattle, right? <laughs> like they're, they're pretty high maintenance. Like if Paris Hilton was a cow, she'd be a Holstein. <laughs> Let's just not even get into this. So, you know, you, and you try, so you try to educate people. And like I said, on, on, on the, the, the quality milk thing, making milk and making quality milk, the double-edged sword. You, know, you have this whole group of people that think we're trying to kill them. The hormones mm-hmm. are bad or, you know, there's antibiotics in milk. And it's like, okay, well, no. So we, we can't give our cows hormones. We can't give cows antibiotics. And, you know, so I'm always trying to like what educate do you mean you people. Can't, can't well, okay. So that. I can't, I can give antibiotics. I cannot sell the milk of the cows had, has had antibiotics, right? There's every, every, antibiotic you have has a withdrawal time actually your vaccines have a withdrawal time deworm has a withdrawal time everything's got a withdrawal time on when i can technically sell that milk and when i can't so if, so a, if cow, a cow gets sick and needs antibiotics so she goes like in, we humans do yeah so for us every every farm is going to operate a little different right so for us they go into a hospital pen so they're isolated into their own pen that gets milk completely separate they get milked very last and their milk goes in a completely different area so you try, mm. you try and idiot proof it, right? Mm-hmm. Because if I if I milk a cow that's had antibiotics and I milk her right in with everybody else, then it's going to come back. They test it at the, at the plant. And they're going to have to dump the and whole I'm load, gonna, right? Yeah, they're going to have to dump the whole load. And I got to pay for it all. I don't want to pay for an entire <laughs> entire milk truck full of milk. I don't want to do it. So, yeah. you know, you try you try and and make it as idiot proof as you possibly can, you know, you you uh And they test it all, so it's not like people can all. just sneak it through. No, you like, can't sneak it through. There's it, it would be virtually impossible unless somebody is not doing their job at the plant level like three or four different times because not only is it plant it's, t- it's tested when the before the milk gets unloaded. So I I did I was a receiver for Dairy Gold for a while, so I can I know how all this thing. Yeah. And then I worked in the lab and then I did a dryer. So I know how this all works. So when you, when the first thing you do when you get to the plant is the sample goes and they, they check it before it ever gets hooked up or anything gets done. The very first thing they do is they check it for antibiotics, right? So if it's good, we go ahead and unload it and everything. Well, there's another sample that actually goes to the laboratory and it's a literally a, it's called a, it's a three hour like incubation test where you actually like incubate this little test and make sure that there's absolutely no antibiotics. Well, then the, it's also tested like at the state level, like they pull, they will pull samples and test like in a in a completely offsite laboratory to make sure like there's no there's really no antibiotics. Like a lot of layers. Really, yes, of there is really no security. antibiotics in your milk like at all. I mean at wow. all. 
So, uh, and if, and if there is, you're in, you're in trouble. FDA is going to come knock on your door. So, um, and we also have, you know, like FDA requires, we keep like three years worth of, I believe it's three years, three years worth of like written records of every cow on our farm that gets antibiotics. I got to write her down. I got to write down what she had, how much she had, when she had it, when was the last time she had it. And then I also have to keep track of like what the actual withdrawal time is on that antibiotic. So, I mean, there's a lot, there's a, there's a lot of behind the scenes, like paperwork and log yeah. work and record keeping, you know, and, and hanging on to those records. Like even on the beef quality side of things, like if I sold a cow that that came back like she had, you know, in her, they test their carcasses, right. For antibiotic residue. If like, let's say she had had a last drug she had was like three years ago. Well, I mean, obviously there's a problem with that, that antibiotic and they're going to want to know about it. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's why they require you, wow. you know, to yeah. keep such, they can know every single thing. <sighs> yeah. They want to know. They want to know every single thing. <laughs> if I want to know where I sleep at night, <laughs> sometimes I feel like that. <laughs> Well, they probably do. They right? probably do. Yeah, I know. I'm big brothers. Like, <laughs> and if they don't, Mark Zuckerberg yes, does. Right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Me and Mark are pretty tight, so I spend a lot of time on Facebook. <laughs> You're welcome, Mark. <laughs> well, thanks for sharing this story of how you got to do what you do and a little taste of some of the things that go into it. I know we could cover so much more because I think oh, we're yeah. just scratching the surface of how your oh, dairy yeah. works. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, there's, yeah. There's a, I could even, I, I I probably don't even know everything like on my, how my dairy works, you know, right? Yeah. Like there's probably things that Roy does that I don't even know about. Well, I probably should, but <laughs> you know what I mean? There's so yeah. many different, you guys, you know, you've got, we have right now, we've got like eight different employees between our part-time and our full-time and, you know, I've. It, I think it would be impossible to know absolutely every little freaking detail that you know, goes on. I try, but I try. <laughs> well, thanks for being willing to chat. Yeah, not a problem. This is the Real Food, Real People podcast. These are the stories of the people who grow your food. If you want to see the video of that conversation, you can check it out on YouTube. Just you know, search us up on YouTube. Real Food, Real People podcast. It's there and available for you, as well as uh, videos of several of our other episodes. I'm Dylan Honkoop, and this podcast is documenting my journeys all over Washington State. It was fun to be down in southwest Washington. I haven't interviewed a lot of people down there yet, but uh, I, I'm excited to uh, get to know some more down that way. We have such a diverse community uh, growing food here in Washington State and and this podcast has been so much fun and I, I'm looking forward to all the conversations uh, still in our future here on the podcast make sure to subscribe uh, so you don't miss any of those uh, we're on Apple podcasts and Spotify and Google podcasts and you know a bunch of the the platforms whatever your favorite one is check it out if there's one that you find that we're not on and you wish we were let me know and i will see what i can do uh, to make sure that we're very easy to reach uh, realfoodrealpeople.org is our website um, like i mentioned a minute ago uh, we're on youtube as well and you can find us on facebook instagram and Twitter. We'd appreciate any shares or likes or anything that uh, you can send our way as we try to kind of expand our circle, bring more people in um, to this movement uh, of really getting to know the people behind our food here on the Real Food, Real People podcast. The Real Food, Real People podcast is sponsored in part by Save Family Farming, giving a voice to Washington's farm families. 
Find them online at savefamilyfarming.org and by Dairy Farmers of Washington, supporting Washington dairy farmers, connecting consumers to agriculture, and inspiring the desire for local dairy. Find out more at wadairy.org.